Well, good morning, everyone. Oh, I can't really see anyone's faces. It's so dark out there. Uh, good morning, everyone. Uh, my name is Dan. I wrote good morning here, though. <laughs> good evening. Thank you. Uh, welcome to Granville Chapel. Welcome to our Christmas Eve service. Uh, apologies to those watching online. Sorry it wasn't working at the beginning, but hopefully it's working now. Um, and I know there's uh, extended family and visitors joining us today, so I just want to say uh, what a privilege it is to welcome you to our church, and uh, thank you for joining us this evening. Now, uh, in many churches across the world, uh, the four weeks before Christmas is called Advent, and uh, the goal of Advent is to help us to draw closer to Jesus. Advent is a season of spiritual reflection as we prepare to celebrate uh, Jesus' birth and arrival into our world. And uh, to help us do this, uh, we've been in a teaching series called Behold Him. And our desire has been to behold Jesus, uh, to look upon him, to reflect on who he is and what his birth means for our world. And uh, today is the last day of Advent, and we are going to reflect on what it means that Jesus is the Messiah. Now, when we hear the word Messiah, most of us probably think of uh, this word as something to do with saving someone or a savior. And certainly this is a part of what it means to be the Messiah. Uh, but the basic meaning of that word simply means anointed one. So bear with me for a quick Hebrew and Greek lesson. So the word Messiah is our English translation for a Hebrew word, uh, and it's pronounced Mashiach. There's a nice little guttural at the end there. And uh, so the word Messiah comes from the Hebrew word Mashiach, and the word Christ is our English translation for the Greek word Christos. And both of these words, Mashiach and Christos, uh, they simply mean anointed one. So we hear those words a lot, Jesus Christ, Jesus Messiah. So when you hear those words, just think of Jesus the anointed one, because that's what those words mean. Now in order for us to understand what it means that Jesus is the anointed one, we need to go back to the Old Testament in the Bible. The stories of the Old Testament and the people of Israel, they form the basis and the foundation for our understanding of who Jesus is. And we, when we look at the Old Testament, we see many and various people who are anointed ones or messiahs, and these people are anointed and chosen by God to fulfill specific tasks and functions. So let me repeat that. When we look at the Old Testament, what we actually see are many and various people who are anointed ones, and they are chosen by God to fulfill specific tasks and functions. And the main examples that we see in the Old Testament are that God anoints people to be prophets, priests, and kings. Now, when it comes to Jesus, what we learn from the scriptures is that Jesus is not just a prophet, he's not just a priest, and he's not just a king. 
Jesus is anointed to be all three, prophet, priest, and king. And so for the rest of our time this evening, we're going to look at these three roles and see what it means for us today that Jesus is the Messiah, the one anointed to be our prophet, priest, and king. So first, prophet. What is a prophet? Well, a prophet is one who speaks and reveals the words and the will of God. Prophets speak on behalf of God, and Jesus describes himself as a prophet in Luke chapter 4. So this is Jesus speaking. He says, The Spirit of the Lord is on me because he has anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim freedom for the prisoners and recovery of sight for the blind, to set the oppressed free, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. So again, Jesus was anointed to be a prophet, and he proclaimed the words and the will of God to others. Now, Jesus said and taught many things, but if you want to just boil down the essence of what Jesus proclaimed, it would be love. Jesus said that the first and greatest commandment is that we should love the Lord our God with all our heart, soul, mind, and strength. And this was followed by Jesus saying that the second greatest commandment is that we should love our neighbors and that we should love one another. Not only that, but Jesus says in Luke chapter 6 to love our enemies, to do good to those who hate you, to bless those who curse you, and to pray for those who mistreat you. Jesus talked about the love of God for those who were poor, those who were sick, the blind, and the lame. And Jesus proclaimed and showed the love of God to the lepers, the sinners, and the outcasts of society. And really, we shouldn't be surprised by any of this because it says in 1 John chapter 4, It says that God is love. And this is how God showed his love among us. He sent his one and only son into the world that we might live through him. So Jesus was anointed to be a prophet and as a prophet he spoke about God's love for us and how we should love one another. And not only did Jesus speak as a prophet in the past, but Jesus continues to speak to us today. Jesus promised that those who followed him would receive the gift of the Holy Spirit, and, we can he- and by his spirit, we can hear his voice today. And this isn't just some vague spiritual mumbo-jumbo But by his spirit, we can truly hear the voice of Jesus. We can receive clear words, direction, and guidance from Jesus. Because Jesus is the living God, not a dead God or an absent God. And so I've shared different examples of how God has spoken to me in my life. And uh, just a couple of days ago, someone mentioned to me Joshua chapter 1, verse 9, and it reminded me of how 
God spoke to me a couple years ago through that verse. So this was a few years back, and I was here at Granville Chapel on a Sunday. And after the service, I happened to go upstairs uh, to where the Kingdom Kids were. And I just casually asked one of the volunteers um, what the kids had learned that morning. And this person looked at me, and they just quoted Joshua chapter 1, verse 9. Uh, And that verse says, be strong and courageous. Do not be afraid. Do not be discouraged. For the Lord your God will be with you wherever you go. And when this person said that verse to me, for, for some reason, it just really struck me. And I remember thinking, you know, I haven't thought about that passage in a long time. I should, I should look it up again. And so I had that thought. Uh, The next day, I I woke up, I looked at my phone, and the Bible verse of the day, which I have as a little like widget on my phone, I looked at it and it was Joshua 1.9. Be strong and courageous, do not be afraid. And I thought, okay, that's interesting. Later that same day, um, a friend had emailed me And uh, he wanted me to proofread uh, this presentation that he was going to give um, at some uh, Christian university club. And so I proofread it for him. And uh, when I got to the end of his document, there was Joshua 1.9. Be strong and courageous. Do not be afraid. Now, at that point, I had a sense that God might be speaking to me. Uh, But I was very confused because I remember thinking as I thought about it, I'm like, okay, why is God saying this verse to me? Because right now, there's nothing in my life that's particularly causing me to be afraid. So why is God highlighting this verse? Well, two days later, um, I had to take my dad to the emergency room because he had some pain in his abdomen and it was his lower right side, and so I thought it was probably appendicitis or something like that. So I took my dad to the emergency room, and the doctors did a scan, and they said that it wasn't appendicitis, but it was cancer. My dad had a massive tumor in his right kidney, and basically the kidney was now dying, which is why my dad was in so much pain. So he needed to be booked for surgery right away. And suddenly, me and my whole family were engulfed in fear and worry. Uh, The next week or so was a whirlwind, uh, but 10 days later, my dad did get booked for surgery. And after the surgery, I was talking with my sister And uh, she was telling me how some people from my parents' church had come to the hospital hospital to pray for my dad before his surgery. And then my sister specifically mentioned that someone prayed over my dad, Joshua 1.9. Be strong and courageous. Do not be afraid. Do not be discouraged. For the Lord, your God, will be with you wherever you go. And that's when it fully hit me. That God in his kindness 
and his grace was speaking to me, Joshua 1.9, over and over again. God highlighted it a couple days before all the shock and chaos began, and now here he was saying it again to me, to let me and my family know that we need not be afraid, that God would be with us wherever we went. So now going back to Jesus anointed to be a prophet, Jesus spoke the words of God while he walked the earth and he still speaks to us today. And we can hear his voice and receive real help, encouragement, direction, and guidance for our lives today. So let's move on to the second uh, role that Jesus fulfilled, which is that Jesus was anointed to be a priest. So Jesus was anointed to be a priest, and so uh, what, what does a priest do? And for that, again, we need to go back to the Old Testament. And what we see is that the role of a priest was to act as a mediator or a representative between people and God. And one of the primary ways that they did this was by offering sacrifices to God on behalf of the people. Now, there were various sacrifices that could be made, uh, but the main offerings that people made were animals that were sacrificed as a result of people's sins. Now, I know that in our culture, the concept and idea of animal sacrifices seems barbaric and primitive, uh, but when we talk about animal sacrifices and why they were made, I think it's important for us to understand one key thing about them. So animal sacrifices were not offered for the benefit of God. It's not like he needed food or anything like that. Animal sacrifices were a provision made by God for the benefit of human beings. You see, when the first humans, Adam and Eve, sinned by disobeying God and going against his command to not eat the forbidden fruit, what they did was to break fellowship. They separated themselves from God, who is the giver of life. And to be separated from God, the giver of life, is to be separated from life itself. And so the result and the consequences of sin is death. We cannot live apart from our creator. But instead of Adam and Eve immediately dying as a consequence of their sin, what we see is that God makes provision for them. So as Adam and Eve tried to cover their nakedness and their shame with leaves, it says that God provides them with garments of skin and he clothes them. And this idea of God providing a covering for humanity's sin is the main idea behind the animal sacrifices in the Old Testament. So instead of human beings bearing the full consequences of their sin, an animal such as a bull or a goat could be sacrificed to make atonement or to cover over their sin. And again, the priest 
played a key part in these sacrifices by acting as a mediator and offering the sacrifices to God on behalf of the people. So now that we know the role and the function of a priest, let's go back to Jesus. And though Jesus was anointed to be a priest, he did not make any animal sacrifices like the other priests did. As it says in Hebrews chapter 4, but those sacrifices are an annual reminder of sins. It is impossible for the blood of bulls and goats to take away sins. So animal sacrifices were insufficient. They only provided a temporary covering for the problem of humanity's sin. And instead, what Jesus offered as a priest was the true sacrifice that was needed in order for our sins to be truly forgiven and taken away. So it says in Hebrews chapter 7, But because Jesus lives forever, he has a permanent priesthood. Therefore, he is able to save completely those who come to God through him because he always lives to intercede for them. Such a high priest truly meets our need. One who is holy, blameless, pure, set apart from sinners, exalted above the heavens. He sacrificed for their sins once for all when he offered himself. So Jesus offers himself to provide the covering for humanity's sin. The consequence of human sin is human death. And so Jesus, though he was divine, he stepped down from his throne in heaven and entered our world as a child and as a human being. And when the fullness of time had come, Jesus, as the great high priest, offers himself as a sacrifice. He bears the consequences of our sin by dying on our behalf. And then as the creator and the author of life, he rises again from the dead to show that he is victorious over sin and death. And so Jesus is our great high priest who offered the true sacrifice so that our sins could be forgiven from us and our fellowship and relationship with God restored. Now the last role and function about Jesus that we're gonna look at today is that Jesus is anointed to be our king. And in fact, the scriptures describe Jesus as the king of kings and lord of lords. Now, a couple weeks ago, we already looked at this theme of Jesus as our king, so I don't feel the need to go too in-depth into this idea. But the thing that resonates most with me when I think of Jesus anointed to be our king is that this means that we can live in a different world, a different kingdom. And so let me ask you a question. 
Does the world seem right to you? Or do you wish that the world was different? Now, in general, I try to be a positive person and I want to live with hope. But I also think it's important to be a realist and recognize reality and the truth of this world. And when I dare to truly look at the world around us, the truth and the reality is that there is much suffering taking place in our world. Whether it be wars or people caught in slavery, or the millions and millions of people who struggle with basic needs of food and water and medicine. And even in Canada, a wealthy country by all accounts, there is immense suffering as people struggle with illness and disease and broken relationships, substance abuse, physical violence and trauma. And there are the cries of pain and anguish for those suffering in their minds, with so many in our society struggling with their mental health. So we must face the grim reality and truth that there is much suffering in our world. But there is also the truth and the reality that there is hope that the king has come. So let me close this evening by reading from Isaiah chapter nine, which talks about the birth of Jesus. For to us, a child is born. To us, a son is given, and the government will be on his shoulders. And he will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. Of the greatness of his government and peace, there will be no end. He will reign on David's throne and over his kingdom, establishing and upholding it with justice and righteousness from that time on and forever. And so as we're gathered here this evening, Christmas Eve, 2,000 years ago, to us a child was born. Jesus the Messiah, the one anointed to be our prophet, our priest, and our king. And as a prophet, Jesus spoke and continues to speak to us today. And as our priest, Jesus continues as a mediator and helps us to draw near to God. And as our king, through Jesus, we can live in a different world and a different kingdom. We can live under the rule and authority of Jesus, where love and justice and peace and mercy reign.